The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1973, Part 9. In this episode, we will cover November 10th through December the 5th. Lennon has games on his mind. Paul can only think about breaking up with the Beatles. George talks about big business, and Ringo keeps recording hits. On November 10th in America, ABC reporter Elliot Mintz on the beach at Malibu interviews John Lennon. When you think back during that period of time known as Beatlemania... Oh, that time. <laughs> are the thoughts happy ones? Are they good ones, John? Or, or... Yeah, yeah. Most of them are good, you know. I've even forgotten what touring was like. It's pretty good. You know? What do you mean you forgot? How can you ever forget that experience? Well, I mean, the, the bad side of it. I just remember the laughs, you know? And the funny bits. I don't remember the lousy food and that. Mind you, now I talk about it. Yes, I think I do. Uh, w- in the long run, would you consider them happy recollections? Oh, sure, sure. Right. You know, it was a great experience. At 24 or 5, whenever it was, to do all that instead of something else. I couldn't think of anything better to do besides be a fisherman. Do you miss it? No, no, I don't miss it. You know, I've done it. That's enough. I would have hated to wait all my life till I was 50, you know, to make it, as they say. Do you think you got out of it at a good time, or, or looking back, do you think maybe you should have gotten out of it earlier, or...? Uh, I think if we'd left it any later, it would have been... It was getting nearly too late, you know. What do you think, if you could just recall one moment or one period of time during it all... Yeah. I'd like to know the highest moment and the lowest moment, when it was its best oh. and when it was its worst. A couple of high moments, like first time in America, hearing us on every channel, on, you know, ten records in the charts or whatever it was. Another high moment was Australia. You know, it's funny, but there was more people came to see us there than anywhere. I mean, it looked like, I think the whole of Australia was there. Low moments are those, moments like when Brian died, you know, things like that, which were just, you know, we weren't ready for it. And they were the real low moments, suddenly finding ourselves on our own. You happier now, do you think, than during all those years? I'm basically the same, you know. I just had a bit more experience, you know, so maybe I can deal with it maybe 1% better. But uh, I'm pretty much the same, just older. You know? A lot of people in America still don't really understand yes. why it all ended. A million and one rumors, conflicting stories. If you, yeah. if you had to make one statement as to what busted up the Beatles, what ended it, 
what would you say? Because we all had basically had enough and nobody knew how to say it. I and mean, we didn't, mightn't even have been aware that we'd had enough ourselves. You know, that's why I say maybe it was, we should have finished it a bit sooner. I wish you all the luck with Mind Games. Thank it's you. It's a great record. I like it. Thank you. And you? I quite like yourself, actually. American promoters noted the release of the two Beatles anthologies and the Ringo album featuring contributions from all four ex-Beatles and suggested the Fab Four might come together again. American mogul Don Kirshner said there wasn't much he hadn't done in his career, but one thing he would like to do would be to reunite the Beatles on the same stage. In November 1973, McCartney squashed that kind of talk. I, I can't see it really myself. You know, there's, like anything, there's millions of sides to it. If we did get back together on stage, well, it might be great, might be the greatest thing ever happened, but it also might not be as good as it was kind of thing, you know? There'd also be the difficulty of kind of trying to manage these four individuals, you know, who'd had a taste of being individuals. I think it'd be quite difficult to do, you know. I, said, I don't think Don Kirshner's the man. I don't think anyone would do it for him, to tell you the truth. You know, not, nothing against him, but uh, <clears throat> cough, cough. McCartney and the other Beatles all agreed they weren't reuniting in 1973, even though the rumors swept the music business like a prairie grass fire. One rumor had the Beatles playing on a deserted airfield in upstate New York, with Elton John sitting in. Like that certainly was, all the rumors turned out to be fantasy. A more appropriate question was whether Wings would reunite. After the 1973 tour, the band split, and McCartney found himself left with only his old friend Denny and wife Linda. On November 12th in America, Apple releases a new single by Wings. It's called Helen Wheels. Paul McCartney. That's a song about our Land Rover. That's our farm vehicle, you know, take you anywhere, basic model. And we call the car Helen Wheels. So uh, that's sort of based on our experiences. It's all these things are just in the song. You know, it's just a factual song about uh, driving down from Scotland to London.
McCartney and Wings riding in with Helen Wheels and took the McCartney band all the way to the top 20. The B-side to Helen Wheels was a song Wings recorded back in October of 1972, Country Dreamer. On November 26th in England, from his home on Richmond Hill, Surrey, Faces guitarist Ronnie Wood issues the following statement. My romance with Patty Boyd is definitely on. Because it was like, bing, a breath of... <laughs> it's like I've been blessed. Ding, and so you shall. <laughs> Things will be sorted out in a few days. Until then, I naturally can't say very much. We're going to talk about it between us and hope to get a happy arrangement. Yeah, I must admit, I was uh, mystified when I first met Patty, and um, we we had quite an adventure together, didn't we? 
while everyone else was stoned and running around on penguin powder, me and, <laughs> me and Patty went to Africa, went to Bahamas, Cornwall, didn't we? We did. We were real globetrotters. Yeah, Paradise Island, fantastic. Off we went to have fun everywhere. Yeah, with Sam Clapp. What a great place that was. That was wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely fabulous. Meanwhile, Patty has gone back to her home at Friar Park and will be talking to George about it. I won't be seeing her today. Ron Wood and Patty Harrison recall the day they met. George helped me on Far East Man. I remember meeting you. We met when he and his first wife, Chrissy, came to my house that I had with George Harrison. And I think that Ronnie and Chrissy came, and I thought they were so adorable. I thought that they were such fun. He was, you know, I mean, he is exactly as he is now, just full-on energy, but obviously much younger, still spiky hair, and skinny, skinny skinny and always laughing. Later in the day, George Harrison reads Ronnie's statement at Friar Park. He replies by saying, Whatever Ronnie Wood has got to say about anything, certainly about us, it has nothing to do with me or Patty. Got that? It has nothing to do with us, her or me. At this point, rumors start to run wild in the media that George Harrison's marriage to model Patty Boyd is breaking up. Also on November 26th, Paul, Linda, and Denny traveled to Paris to work on more recordings. Notably, another version of Linda's Seaside Woman, Wide Prairie, and I Got Up. Sessions are held at the Path Marconi Studios. Joining them at the session is Davey Luton, the ex-drummer of the 60s chart group Love Affair, and guitarist Jimmy McCulloch from Thunderclap Newman.
Back in Los Angeles in late November, John was getting more and more reckless in the world of alcohol and other stimulants.
period for John was a real painful period in that he was away from the woman that he loved more than anything in the world. I mean, that sounds corny, but it's the truth. It's the truth from the way I saw it. And every time that uh, we would be hanging and he would be drinking badly, there was always a point where he would just yell out and yell out Yoko's name. And when he, when he did that, generally you knew that, uh-oh, here we go. You know, he was getting ready to go on the rampage, and he did. Yoko! During his time in L.A., Lennon had been staying at the home of record producer Lou Adler. Lou produced many Grammy award-winning albums from such artists as Jan and Dean, Carole King, The Grassroots, and The Mamas and Papas, just to name a few. Lou was also the founder of Ode Records. At one of the sessions, Lennon was very much intoxicated. Here's drummer Jim Keltner. It's no secret that John was uh, drinking very heavily mm-hmm. in those days. First of all, it was all of L.A.'s uh, studio guys, you know, in these sessions, you know, from, from night to night. They might have changed it here and there, but it was a live session with lots of horns, lots of uh, rhythm section, and uh, they all really adored John, you know. I mean, the, the studio guys, the hardened studio guys that, that worked every day like a factory in L.A., you know, it was really a, they were having a ball. They were down there with Phil, who was, you know, this old, wise guy, you know, and, and he was... You know, with his craziness and everything, they were having fun. I mean, everybody was laughing all the time and going crazy. And it, um, there was a lot of booze, you know, and they they weren't taking it real seriously. And they and they loved John. John was so funny. I just remember seeing John, hearing John in the headphones as the night went on, get drunker and drunker and get funnier and funnier. To me, it was funny. I, mean, I guess it was because we were all drinking so heavy too. But it would just he would get so funny. He would mess up the lyrics on purpose. Uh. Got a message for you. Hold it, hold it. Our fault, our fault, not your fault. Hold. Listen, if the voice is too loud, just say the voice. I'm yelling too loud in the can. No. Everybody suddenly grabs their headphones when I talk. No, no, no. Okay, everything is fine. I know. Okay. Hold it one second. Phil, we're all as well. Well, get out. You could have, you know, broken it on the third line or something. I've got to get all that. Oh, you don't mind if I change the lyrics then? Good, okay. Hey, we got the man here. What what man? 14. Any fucking man. Let's go. I'm going to get an all-girl band. (laughs) You need one. Let's go. You won't let me do bebop alurance. I won't let you do anything. Let's go. Bebop Until you get this, then you can do bebop alurance. And send me some loving. You can do anything you want to do, Johnny. After this. After this. Take the bandages off. You can even do take the bandages off. Okay. You can even do Johnny be good. No, no. I wish you would. Let's go. Oh, anytime you like. I... I know you would. Come on. I know the solo too. Good. But I wouldn't want to take it away from Jess. I know. Go! 14. Is Jesse there? Yes, he's there. Come on! Okay, let's... All right! Yes, it did. Yeah! It always works out the same old way. Hold it. Somebody's waving a hand. 
Somebody said stop, so we stopped. Here we go. Stop. One more... It was hilarious. I mean, uh, just because you think you're so great you know he'd be going it's you know the song just because right? yes. and i mean uh, you're you're trying to play and you're it was just the silliest thing i've ever heard in my life. it was it was great we had so much fun just a minute now can everybody remember one thing if i tell it you're gonna be stuck with your baby here we go what they're gonna do play jazz with jethro toll no elton john probably at the roxy elton's a good friend of mine well good he's got the same name as you only you spell it in the front and he spells it in the back here we go and you both go to the same place. Here we go. No, 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 no. I refuse. I refuse. Elton's going to die young. I remember the bass drum also on that, after that, you know, the ending here. Okay, here we go. I'm going to be a 90-year-old guru. All right, good. <laughs> okay, I make history, you make gurus. Here we go. Phil, I'm going to write your history, so be careful. One. Take all the new singles. Carol. And the other one, the nipples. I want to take them, hold them tight. All them people that James Taylor had.
my mama and my papa used to do. I like the same old way. It's called the head, the top. Leaving the recording studio, an intoxicated Lennon was chaperoned back to Lou Adler's home. Drummer Jim Keltner and guitarist Jesse Ed Davis had bore the brunt of Lennon's alcohol-fueled anguish. Jim Keltner recalls. He did uh, try to pull my hair out. He did? All of it, yeah. Could you describe that experience? Well, he was, uh, Jesse Ed and I, God bless his soul, we were uh, elected by Phil Spector to put him in the in the back of a Cadillac and uh, see to it that he got wherever we were going. I don't even remember. Uh, but we put him in the back of the seat of the Cadillac and, uh, and I think uh, I think Phil's bodyguard was driving. So, but anyway, uh, everything was fine for a few minutes and then he started Yoko. He started screaming, Yoko, Yoko, as loud as he could and just you know, right in my ear and all. And John, John, hold it. Then he started, he got down uh, in the car. Somehow he got down, his back and his head was down in the uh, down by our feet, and he was trying to kick the windows out mm-hmm. with these uh, cowboy boots that he always wore. And, um, you know, so we obviously grabbed his feet, and Jesse had his uh, his shoulders and his arms, and, and I had his feet. And then the next thing I know, it was just, and he was just so strong. No, God! <laughs> you know, it, was, it was ridiculous. We couldn't handle him at all. And at one point, I was then down on the bottom of the floor, and he was pulling my hair, and he was saying, Yoko, I want Yoko. And I said, I can't give you Yoko. What do you want? Get away from my hair. When they got back to where Lennon was staying at Adler's home, an uncontrollably drunk Lennon proceeded to rearrange Adler's decor by smashing everything in sight. Gold records, expensive vases. He trashed the whole place. Unfortunately, Lennon had to be tied down until he sobered up. He was drinking really, really heavily. It was May Pang who helped Lennon, and she did her best to be the voice of reason amongst the craziness. John was pretty happy with the fact that I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I was just being the den mother, and I was the youngest one in that lot. As the craziness continued in Los Angeles, 
In England, on November 30th, Wizard Records released a Denny Lane album titled Ah Lane. The album was recorded back in July of 1971 before Paul invited him to join his new group. Lane is photographed on the LP cover wearing a wing shirt. If I could get a word across It cost in spite of all the time we've lost. I get it to you now. Find a way On December 2nd, while in L.A., John, feeling somewhat depressed, writes a most poignant postcard to Derek Taylor at his home in Ascot, England. It reads, I'm in lost arseholes for no real reason. Yoko and me are in hell, but I'm going to change it, probably this very day. Anyway, I'm still famous. He who laughs last is often hard of hearing. On December 3rd, in America... Apple releases a new single from Ringo Starr, You're 16, backed with Devil Woman. Both are taken from the Ringo album.
16 You're beautiful And you're mine Oh my, my, my You're my baby December 5th in America and December 7th in the UK. Just in time for Christmas, Paul McCartney presents us with a great new album called Band on the Run. This new Apple recording began under very strained conditions for Paul. The Band on the Run was one of those which was going to be fully a Wings album. Mm -hmm. And we had uh, Denny Seibel and Henry McCulloch, and Denny Lindrum herself. And what happened was uh, they failed to turn up. We had a big kind of thing, and it was one of those numbers, and just they kind of said, I don't want to go to Lagos and record this album, man, sorry. And it was like I was left in the lurch the last minute. It was literally an hour before we were getting the plane to go on this trip to Africa to record. You were about to get on the plane and two members of Wings quit. It was the night before. 
Yeah. We, we were uh, scheduled to leave the next morning. How to deal with that? Sure. You know, either to say, oh, okay, we're not going. I can't go without two of you guys. Or, hey, we're booked. We're going. Hoping that they might show up or something. Yeah. So we took the latter option. But I wouldn't be... If I was you, I wouldn't be cool about that. Two, two people I trusted right. just said I'm not coming. I wasn't cool about it. I'd be I was I'd definitely be not cool about it. you kidding? I was livid. It was like... Trash. And you know what? The good thing about that was then it made me... I, I was wondering which way I was going to go, you know, yeah. sympathise with them or really not sympathise mm-hmm. with them, which was the attitude I took, yeah. which was like, right, screw you. I am going to make an album that you will wish you were on. So out of the problems came an excellent pop album. It features some fine arrangements, great melodic lines, good harmonies, and some fascinating rhythms originating from Paul's love of African drumming. So Lagos, I got to be African stuff because I, I love African music, you know. This track uh, you're going to hear now is called Band on the Run. This is the uh, track that opens the LP. I had uh, a couple of bits of songs together, you know, I'd, I thought it should start off very kind of moody and quiet and sort of inside a cell. There's this fellow kind of just cursing things and just thinking, you know, what he'll do if he gets out. And there's a little bit there which you, you think is, you know, you call the kind of production bit, where there's a massive orchestra comes in just for a couple of bars and that's the breakout and then he gets out and then it goes into the main song of band on the run uh, which is about these fellas you know the f- you know rabbits on the run kind of business and then it's sought after by a multitudinous throng normally i just write a bunch of songs and if they happen to have a theme then the, the concept comes out of that um so band on the run wasn't really a concept album but i thought that June and the, the, you know, the whole idea of Band on the Run probably might end up as a good album title and a good kind of theme for the whole thing. As far as I'm concerned, they're not, they don't really link together, the songs, but I think uh, it's different when you're a fan and you just got the record and you're listening. I think you see themes and concepts that uh, maybe the composer doesn't even see. Stuck inside these four walls Sent inside forever Never seeing no
this next one's called Jet. It was originally written after a puppy. Jet, named after a dog? Well, it was actually named after a pony. Jet. Yeah, we had a little pony for the kids in Scotland. Mm. It was called Jet. Uh, now, you know, the, the truth is, that's just a starting point. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking... <laughs> well, I'm glad about that. Yeah. What, what, a pony marrying whose father is like a sergeant major? <laughs> no. Jet, I uh, remember I was out in a field um, playing my guitar. It was a nice hot summer's day. And I was just uh, off on my own, just strumming. And we had some little puppies. And this little black puppy that we called Jet would come with me. And he was kind of playing around as I was strumming, so just started off jet and then I just made it up from there on.
was Jet and Band on the Run from Paul's solo album. A lot of critics reckon that it wasn't until Band on the Run that you actually sort of came of age, in fact, after your time in the Beatles. Mm. Would you agree with that? Uh, no. <laughs> what do you mean? I know what they mean, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, critics take, tend to take a very black and white overview of the thing, and that's the obvious thing to say, I think. You know, I think, uh, yeah, if you're looking at it very black and white, I think it's true. But I think McCartney, I think Maybe I'm Amazed wasn't bad. You know, uh, maybe if what they're talking about is that it was an album, it, it was more complete as an album, it didn't just have one or two good little tracks, and I think it was an album. Late at night when the wind is still, I'll come flying through your door, and you'll know what love is for. I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird, I'm a bluebird.
this place here we're sitting in is, um, was built for the daughter of the Vanderbilt family. Mm -hmm. And I'd read a sort of song about that. Mrs. Vanderbilt, I mean, I didn't know anything about her, but I just knew she was like a rich person. Mm. So, uh,
Going back to, to some of the tracks, what do you have favourites? I like um, Let Me Roll It. Let Me Roll It is based around the riff, really, the guitar riff. Um, nice thing about Let Me, Let Me Roll It for me is having a sort of distinctive guitar riff. We used to do a lot of riffs in the Beatles, and it's not easy to keep coming up with them, mm. but that... When I'd done that, I thought, wow, that really does sound like John. I hadn't realised I'd sung it like John. I used an echo that's, that John used to use a lot. So people thought the vocal sound was a bit like John Lennon. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the echo that you're hearing. But, you know, because we came up through the same influences, we could sort of do each other's vocal styles a bit. You know, if we had to switch and he had to do the harmony on Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, for instance, he could have easy done that. It's a very burr song and it's got this very hot guitar. <laughs> Anyway, so it's kind of the theatrical thing of that that I like.
Wings rhythm guitarist Danny Lane. The fact that we were in Africa, a lot of influences. Ginger Baker was down the road. We, in fact, we did one track in his studio. And Ginger's an old friend of mine from way back. Um, in fact, I was with Ginger Baker's Air Force, you know, and, and, and the very first Moody's tour, the Chuck Berry tour, he was in the Graham Bond organization with Jack Bruce. So we were friends. He had a studio there. That was one particular atmospheric, you know, vibe that we, we picked up on because he knew everybody there. We were taken out to clubs and watching them doing their music, you know, their big shows they had with lo loads of people in them, you know, Africa 70, um, uh, Remy, Remy Kabaka, great um, conga players, and all these people that we'd met were great at that music, you know. Fella Ransom Kuti, Africa 70, all those people were just amazing energy, you know, and uh, their own music, of course, but we were influenced by that, I suppose the energy of it, and that got, put us on the same level as far as what we were doing with the album. So, you know, we were there as their guests, you know, listening to their music and having it influence us and then therefore we came we came into the studio with that attitude hey we're going to try and be as good as them if not better coming up band on the run side two and phil was uh, just in one of those crazy moves and he had his gun and he pulled it out and he, and he shot i think I, I remember they said that he shot the floor in the uh the lounge and uh, bullet ricocheted up into a corner. It was all wood in there, and it, it lodged in a piece of wood up at the top by the ceiling. Next on Yesterday on Today. information or to contact the show visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com also visit at yesterdaypod on twitter and search yesterday and today podcast on facebook see you next time Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad <laughs> from his better show than ours. Wow. <laughs> and we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the show's as we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> You can head to our social media pages. That's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast or facebook.com slash third men. Or you could head to society6.com slash Kaminsky family podcast. That's society, the number six dot com slash K A M I N S K I family 
podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. (laughs) Guys, we need your help. (laughs) Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Thank